0: Log TALK RADIO
1: Your Majesty will pay whatever price you set for your goods. They are not for sale. Until the spiritual advancement of the West catches up to their technological prowess, it would be irresponsible to share our scientific discoveries with you. Are you calling everyone here irresponsible children? No. More like sullen teenagers who feel more mature than their behavior warrants. The fact that every conversation here is framed in terms of profit and power says it all. You could have made half these breakthroughs yourself, but there's too much money to be made in misery. Why cure a disease when people pay for medicine? Why provide cheap energy Yeah, we when get the point, Tachaka. <laughs> I've never met a socialist with a crown on his head before, but I guess there is a first time for everything. Who gave you permission to use my first name? I, I am sorry. I did not mean to offend. I understand your frustration in dealing with a black man who can't be bought with a truck full of guns, a plane full of blondes, and a Swiss bank account. But please, hold on to what little class you have. Your Majesty, I truly apologize. This meeting is over. Oh.
0: You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind. 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 A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, D-Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse, Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D, and introducing West Coast correspondent Ms. Claire Linet. Mind expansion engaged.
2: And it is sweltering The apple is baking And also, if you haven't guessed it This is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd Featuring Captain Kirk The uncanny Daryl B And of course, the equally uncanny Doppelganger of Daryl B, Ms. Claire Lane. Folks, the caller number remains An ever Ever-imposing constant 646 Let me say that again Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Another thing, these celebrities are dropping like flies. Another prince has left the building prematurely. Prince B from the 90s group, PM Dawn, has left the building at the age of around 46 years. Uh, diabetes, kidney failure. Um, wow. Folks, 2016 proves to be a year that continues to suck. Anyway, let's try to give you some upliftment and some enlightenment. More Urban Alternative Groove, Black Rock and Roll, Psychedelic Soul, Afro Punk. Classic rockers, Bad Brains. This is Reignition. We'll give you about two minutes.
0: Let's groove. We'll be right back. Come uh-huh.
2: Rockers. That was Bad Brains Reignition. Folks, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, the uncanny Daryl B., and of course, Claire Lynnay. We are the podcast Fantastic Four. Yes, I called it. That's what we are. Anyway, uh, let's get into the roll call. Captain, you're needed on the bridge once again. Let's get to it. <laughs>
3: Uh, the world's greatest comic book Don't need to say anymore oh, Let's yeah. go
2: <laughs> Okay <laughs> Alright Another gentleman that really doesn't need A introduction But I want to give him one anyway He is the uncanny Daryl B
4: 2016 will suck for a lot of reasons We've lost heroes I want to throw in one more Uh, Rest in peace to Ron Lester, who starred in three of my all-time favorite movies. Not Another Teen Movie, Varsity Blues, and Popular. All right? And you may not know him. His name may be not famous. But if you ever heard Billy Bob, Billy Bob, Billy Bob while watching Varsity Blues or the one scene everybody remembers, all right, Tan, Tan, Mother, Tan, when he's talking to the beautiful teacher that's a stripper, you know, you know who he is. So, Miss, Mr. Lester, rest in peace, man. Thank you for the laughs and smiles. Uh,
2: yes, and also um, Gordy Howe passed on what, last week. The famous hockey player.
4: Uh, that yeah. Right well? after Muhammad Ali, which is a double punch in the gut for me because people that know me know how much I love hockey. And, you know, he, and Wayne Gretzky may be the best player of all time, but Wayne Gretzky looked up to Gordie Howe. That's all you need to know.
2: All right, the music, you hear that? You. You know who this is? This is our West Coast correspondent, Ms.
0: Claire Lene. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to it. Claire.
5: Afro nerd.
2: Hey, how are you?
5: I feel like I feel like I need to get a disco ball.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to give you a little bit of funk <laughs> for your intros. Um, the call-in number, people, the Fantastic Four has arrived. Uh, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. You know, before we get to... Blair's Weekly Roundup, um, we, we're, we're supposed to be expecting, again, these gentlemen from Vortex, Inc., and I really want to speak to them. They're from Lagos, uh, Nigeria, and they, want to, they send me these direct messages because they really want to talk about what's going on in Nigeria, in West Africa, that there's a burgeoning comic book culture there. African heroes, the whole thing, comic book stores, it's going down like that, but I think because of the time issues... And they're trying to Skype in. Block Talk has issues with Skype, so I can't even use my mics uh, the way I would like to. So if, if they call in, they call, in. if not, we'll work it out some kind of way. So, again, you know, we did advertise for Vortex to come through, and they always have an open door. I'm always very – we're all very curious about uh, international um, comic book pop culture and, and diversity. So eventually we'll get these gentlemen to come on. Anyway, without further ado – Claire, let's get to your weekly roundup. Let's get into it.
5: All right, here we go. Here we go. Start with some casting news. We've got plenty of it. Community's Donald Glover, Prometheus star Logan Marshall Green, and Silicon Valley's Martin Starr have all joined the cast of Spider-Man Homecoming. Sleepy Hollow's Orlando Jones and 12 Monkey star Demore Barnes have been cast as the leads in a TV adaptation of Neil Gaiman's novel, American Gods. The story is immersed in ancient Egyptian lore, with Jones playing a West African god known for trickery, and Barnes portraying the god of the underworld. A TV adaptation of Mark Olden's 1974 book series, Black Samurai, is currently in development with actor-rapper Common, set to star with Wu-Tang Clan's RZA attached to produce. Commons character Robert Sand is is trained by a Japanese samurai master and becomes a killing machine seeking vengeance after witnessing the murder of his mentor and friends. Brooklyn native Rick Gonzalez, whose credits include Mr. Robot and Rosewood, is set to play Wild Dog in Arrow Season 5. In addition to Gonzalez, Chicago PD's Josh Sagara will become a series regular, playing Adrian Chase. AKA Vigilante. Jersey native Nick Zano, who was last seen in Fox's short lived Minority Report, will be playing Dr. Nate Haywood, AKA Citizen Steel, in Legends of Tomorrow Season 2. Teen Wolf alum Tyler Hecklin has been chosen to play Clark Kent, also known as Superman, in Supergirl Season 2. Reboots and revivals. After a failed attempt at bringing Axel Foley to the small screen, Eddie Murphy and producer Jerry Bruckheimer have gotten the green light from Paramount Pictures to begin pre-production on Beverly Hills Cop 4. Murphy and Bruckheimer have already handpicked Belgian directing duo Adil Ar- Arbi and Bilal Salah, writing partners Josh Applebaum and Andre Nemec, whose credits include Mission Impossible Gross Protocol, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Will be penning the script. James Wan is in high demand these days. After the su- success of movies such as Furious Seven and The Conjuring, uh, parts uh, one and two, the Aquaman Helmer is set to direct the MacGyver pilot for CBS. Excuse me, I've kind of lost my place here. Uh, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich are planning to reboot their 1994 sci fi hit Stargate. There were three successful spin off TV shows SG1, Atlantis, and Universe, but the plot of this new project will not connect to them and will most likely be considered an origin story or prequel to the original film. In film news, as most of you probably know, The upcoming Wolverine 3 is supposedly Hugh Jackman's final film in the X-Men franchise. It will be rated R, and the question many have asked is, who will replace him? While Jackman has thrown his support behind Tom Hardy as being a potential successor, recent set photos have fueled speculation that Fox may be grooming a young X-23 to take the mantle in the foreseeable future. If Anthony Hopkins joining the cast of Transformers 5 can happen, well, I suppose Helen Mirren joining the cast of Fast and Furious 8 isn't all that strange. Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito will be joining Snowpiercer director Bong Joon-ho's sci-fi project Okja. James Gunn has confirmed that he and the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 will present footage at San Diego Comic-Con next month. Also at Comic-Con, in celebration of Wonder Woman's 75th anniversary, a life-size invisible jet will be on display. It'll illuminate at night and be accompanied by costumes and memorabilia from Linda Carter's era, as well as from Gal Gadot's modern-day portrayal of Diana Prince. But don't expect to see the invisible jet in the Wonder Woman movies, likely similar to the reasons that Fox had when they opted against using a flying car in Fantastic Four, Wonder Woman's trademark mode of transportation might have been a bit too cheesy to translate to the big screen. Despite a dismal opening of $24 million in the U.S., Warcraft earned $156 million in China in its first five days. That's more than the $124 million Star Wars The Force Awakens earned in its entire run in that country. It is projected that by 2017, China will surpass the U.S. as the world's largest film market. This would seem to reaffirm everything that we could already assume since many of the films produced in the U.S. roughly earn 60% of their revenue internationally. Evidence that the entertainment studios are now trying to capitalize on this forecast has already slowly become evident with China's DMG co-producing movies such as Looper, Iron Man 3, and the Point Break reboot. A recent partnership between Village Roadshow and China's Hei Yi Pictures has the two co-financing a futuristic sci-fi thriller called Bleeding Steel. Unlike the previously mentioned example, Sis will star an Asian as the lead character. Household name Jackie Chan will be playing a special forces agent who fights to protect a woman against a criminal organization. After years of research now being met with positive film festival buzz and the necessary financial support, a South African thriller called Five Fingers will finally begin production starring several up-and-coming local talent. As a contemporary spin on Western themes, executive producer Yaron Schwartzman says, "Five Five Fingers is a testament to the power, freshness, and ingenuity of new narratives coming from across the world stories that need to be told, and whose time has most definitely come. That's all I've got for this weekly roundup. Back to you, AfroNerd.
6: Okay, Claire, as always,
2: stellar presentation. Um, I love your, um, your roundup because it, it keeps me, <laughs> as much as I read, I feel like I needed to be compartmentalized. So, again, um, good show. Folks, this is The Grindhouse. And, um, as always, we try to give you the, the, our, our expansive views on what's happening in pop culture and pop culture, sci-fi, fantasy. We might even throw in some of the uh, sports world. You have got to talk about Aisha Curry at some point during the broadcast, just because uh, it kind of dovetails off of the Illuminati talk. But S and giggles. Um, first up, let, let, I want to open up the uh, mic to the great Daryl B., Rhodey, James Rhodes, passes for Civil War Two, And it's caused somewhat of, a, of an upheaval because when it comes to minority characters, there seems to be this ease at dismissing them. And James Rhodes has been around for decades, decades. So to be able to get rid of this character, um, what are your thoughts about the upheaval and, and also the fact that you know, this is for, for the, for the uh, diverse fan base, they're feeling like, wait a minute, we have so few minority characters as it is, why so easy to do this for the sequel? i got to remind, before I give the mic to Daryl, I've got to remind folks that for the first Civil War, going back almost 10 years now, the first Civil War, we had the um, Black Goliath character dying. And we've never, we haven't really re- revisited that character. So now we have someone who even a, has a bigger, um, a, a, a bigger platform. We see him in, in in movies. He's gone now. So what are your thoughts? What what's going on here?
4: All right. First of all, first of all, all right. Two months ago, when we brought up Civil War Two, and and it, you you started intimating bit, I went, uh oh, watch out, Brody. And you want to know why. Okay. For folks that don't know, okay, once you saw the poster for Civil War II way back when where it showed Captain Marvel versus uh, Iron Man on the cover, all right, right there I was like, okay, something has to happen to put them in the crosshairs of one another. That means they must lose somebody close to them or somebody might have betrayed them that was close to them which is James Rhodes. Why? Because in comics, he's dating Carol Danvers, and, of course, he's Tony Stark's best friend. So he gets removed off the playing board. Boop, friction caused. Wrong time. Bap, there we go. All right? So this, this was not surprising. The fact that people are treating it as surprising, obviously you have not seen a Marvel movie uh, 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 what would we do, call this? A crossover an event? A Marvel crossover event in the last 15 years. This is by the numbers here, all right? I knew that was coming from a long way off. I'm just shocked so many other people didn't see it coming. Now, you brought up the Ben Foster thing. Here is the main difference between the two, all right? The main difference between the two, I see people equating it to it, and I disagree wholeheartedly with it, Okay? The Ben Foster death was needless. You didn't need to do that. Remember, the kicking point to the First Civil War was the deaths of school children related to uh, superhero taking on supervillain. Supervillain unstable explodes right in the schoolyard with like two, was it 245? I believe it was 245 children who got atomized in the explosion. Which, which led to the, the, the discussion of, oh, these, these things these could be regulated. These are dangerous to us and our children. And that's what kicked off that one. All right? This one, uh, for people that don't know, it revolves around a, a, an inhuman named Ulysses who can forecast uh, the future, at least uh, 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 seismic events in the future. Okay, so when 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 uh, Carol Danvers talks to Ulysses and the Inhumans, they find out about something big happening and they go off on the mission and Rhodey tags along and Rhodey gets killed during this, which leads Stark to suffer a mental breakdown. I'll call it that. But we all know he's an arrogant prick anyway. All right. And go like, no, 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 this needs to be regulated. You, you, you use them. I was, I was supposed to be a part of it, and now my best friend's dead because you, you guys had to go off and play hero. Gee, that sounds a lot like Iron Man. But anyway, I digress. I digress. All right. Rhodey's death is the major crux point right there, where both sides are—not um, saying sides—where both Tony and Carol feel justified that their stance is the right one. Okay? That's the difference between the two. That's the difference between the two deaths. Yes, it's another black character dying in Marvel, uh, Marvel Comics. All right? And if you're shocked by this already, like I said, where have you been in the last 15 years? Because remember, in the first Civil War, we all pay attention to, to uh, Black Goliath's death. But keep in mind, Night Thrasher was at the point, and he got blown up like a punk. Everybody forgets Night Thrasher died in that one. But, I, again, I digress. I digress again, okay? So folks having a problem with the death, all right? I think it's a better storytelling device here than in the first one. But, but again, they needed a major point to set these two heroes, teammates, friends Dia- uh, diametrically, diametrically opposed to one another. Diametrically. So there it is. Diametrically, thank you. Diametrically opposed to one another. Right, uh, that's just my two cents. I'm just throwing it in like that. Now, again, you're welcome to argue with me on it. But it's two different ones, all right. It's two different deaths, all right. You, you, you may be tired of losing one of, uh, one of the few black characters we have, but this is a constant plot device here, all right? It's a better served death here than the previous one. But, again, I'm just tired of event books. I'm tired of it. Let stories play out organically. I, I'm tired of forced events. Didn't we just come off of Secret Wars? So we just came off of Secret Wars, and now we're back into another Civil War. Marvel, you're event junkies. It's time to go to Event AA and go, Hi, I'm Marvel Comics, and um, I have a problem with not letting stories grow. I need to do an event every four to six months because I don't think I have enough fans to back our books. It's time for that intervention, Marvel. Back to you, AfroNerd. All
2: right. You know, let me pass the mic over to our West Coast correspondent, Claire Lene. And I want to say this. Um, there are a couple of articles that are out there that are they're putting a lot of uh, heavy criticism about these minority characters across the board. This seems to be a theme with minority characters being discarded with the belief, with the knowledge, knowing that we don't have that many of these characters. And now that as time has gone on, we really rally behind them and we try to uh, exalt them because, well, you know, uh, let's look. I make no bones about it. Our friend Sergio Mims wrote an article with, with uh, the Afro Nerd Machine in mind. You can go to uh, Shadow and Act again, Shadow and Act, um, talking about how I'm obsessed about the Black Panther thing and it, will Black Panther play well in China and, and, and you know, all, whatever. All of that is tied to. The fact that we don't have that many of them. We only have one shot to make an impression. So now we have, if it's not um, Ryan Choi, who I thought actually brought him back after, I don't know, a decade, who was the second Adam. And there's a whole host of minority characters I can think of that they just get rid of for whatever reason. Um, actually, got third, Adam. Really,
4: third, Adam, third Adam. who it Third Adam. Remember, second who the, who, you had the who first was one was Justice this? Society. Adam. Okay. Oh, the
2: golden Age Adam. Okay. There you go. So I'm thinking cool. of the, third, the second modern, the, the second Modern Age Adam. Let's put it that way.
4: Okay. There you um, go.
2: Um Anyway, um so what I, what I'm saying here, uh based on these articles, Claire, is that they're they're telling us that this is just a plot device for the white characters to emote. It's kind of dub telling of what Daryl's talking about, but it's going in a bit deeper. It gives the white characters a, a reason to feel and to really go hard-body karate as far as emotions. A very emotional scene. Carol Danvers, I was unaware of their relationship, actually. But, they, you know, you see this, this intimacy between the two characters, then she has a chance to emote. You see that his best friend, Tony Stark, he has a chance to emote. It allows the white characters, the characters to shine off of the removal of this character. Uh, Sim Bean, Sim Bean, the character from Penny Dreadful. Uh, he's persona non grata. This is, this is something that goes, goes on forever. Uh, the, 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 the infamous black male character that gets killed in horror movies. You know, It's been done to such an effect that even parodies of horror movies play up on that, and that's a, that's a trope that doesn't appear to be waning. The black guy always gets it. I mean, the last, the first and only black guy that ever survived a horror movie, I believe, was um, Dow Help Me, 1968, Dawn of what, the Dead, he, or Night of the Living the, Dead. N-
4: Night of the Living Dead. Remember, he dies at the end. He didn't survive. The the racist uh, cops shoot him, but, thinking he but, he didn't survive. But he
2: <laughs> wait, but he didn't die. He was he was he was he was in the movie for the, for the majority of the time. There is something about that movie where he was a hero. He didn't die within like ten minutes of the film.
6: Usually, the okay, black guy gets right.
2: it upon like ten minutes. Once you see him, you know he does a shuffle. Hey, man! You know, or whatever it was, nineteen seventy-five, whatever. Anyway, Claire, enough of me. Your thoughts on why this keeps on happening? Well, they know we we we're rallying around these characters now.
5: I mean, beyond anything that we've already. Theorized or discussed. Um, I have not yet read Civil War Two, um, but again, I mean, I'm not. I'm not shocked. And I mean, basically, you. I mean, I'm a broken record about this. Come on, you've heard me talk about this how many times? That no matter how pissed people might be, that you, you know decide to whitewash this character or that you minimize or marginalize a character that was, with every intent, meant to be a person of color, we can cry and scream and yell and holler all we want, but it doesn't change the fact that it's happening. It doesn't change the fact that it's still happening. So, I mean, you kind of nailed it right there. I mean, you, 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 you said it already that killing Rhodey gives his his white friend and his white girlfriend—the perfect opportunity to to have their moment, you know—to to to deal with this horrible tragedy and and even I mean, come on, even in um in Civil War the movie, all the trailers, all the trailers—they tease, they tease Rhodey's death when we see him falling, and as Tony watches his best friend fall possibly to his death, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor. He has his moment to yell, no, no. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. I mean, we are always the expendable character. We are the ones meant to, you know, prop up the real characters, the main characters, make them look good. You know, we come in there with our jokes, you know, Don Cheadle, he's gonna have a few lines. that will be funny. That'll be, you know, enough to work off of, of RDJ and his wit. We gotta, we gotta like him. get to know him for a minute, and then, yeah, they're gonna get taken away, so that the leading character can can deal with the loss, can deal with the pain. You know, I mean, we we've all talked about, you know, in previous shows that these are modern day. Mythologies, so everything is going to be on this grand scale, this epic scale. I mean, it, when something goes down, then, yeah, somebody's going to start a war. Suddenly this, this conflict, this drama is going to escalate, and we are the tipping point. We are the ones meant to incite that with, with getting offed, getting fridged, getting iced, getting killed, and oftentimes in really humiliating ways. I mean, we've shown oh, we're such a badass, we're so tough, we're so skilled and yet when we die, it's in the most ridiculous way <laughs> possible. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I We've we've gone round and round and I just wonder, you know, at what point at what point does it matter? At what point cuz they know, they know they got us. Do you know what I'm saying? They know, they know that they've got us, that the next movie that's going to come out, we're going to go see it. You know, we're going to keep spending our money. You know, Civil War three, when that comic book event comes out, we're going to go read it. We're going to go buy it. They got us. So what is the incentive for them to want to represent us, to include us? I don't know. You know,
2: you know. <laughs> I want to go back to Daryl for a second. They're going to open it up to, to the captain. Daryl, you seem to have a, um, an ability to kind of forecast some of this stuff. Now, we know that on many occasions these characters are easily brought back to life in some way. Um, but then at the same time, I, I have to ask you this. Are the, minor- are the minority characters actually brought back? I mean, I mentioned Ryan Choi. They brought him back. Um, we know that the DC-52, is you know, they're doing a rejiggering uh, with what's happening over there at DC, but then the fact that you that we did mention um, Doctor Foster, A.K.A. the Black Goliath, um, he hasn't been brought back.
4: That's been ten years. Yeah, and and you I, you, you and they were poising for I believe his son to take over the mantle, and that quickly disappeared. And with Rodi, sorry folks. I'm sorry to tell you this, but the instant you saw that that black college student create her own, like, uh, Iron Man armor, right there, Rhodey went on the chopping block. And if she's successful, if she's popular, don't expect to see Rhodey back for a long, long time. I just got to put it out there. You know I, I, oh, too, for, for for the folks that don't know, that's in the Iron, Invincible Iron Man books. Is it Invincible or International Iron Man? However they phrase it, there's this black college student, uh, Mimi something I believe, um, Riri Williams, Riri Williams, who, in her dorm, got the plans to the Iron Man suit off the net. And has created her own Iron Man suit. We discussed it last week, how I thought she was a play on Steele's daughter, Natasha, or over on the D.C. side that many people don't remember. But uh, once that happened, that's the younger version, and she's female, and she's black. Rhodey, it was nice knowing you because that, that hit, she hits more demographics than you. I'm sorry to say. So uh, be happy that we still got Cheetle in the movies. Because <laughs> you're not going to see James Rhodes, unless it's a flashback, on the printed page for a while. At least news stories involving him. Like, how long re- Lantern? it become or- a
5: joke? It became a joke because we, we all... He was teased right from the jump, and we all joked that, oh, yep, because they got Falcon and we got Black Panther. I mean, that means one of the brothers has to go.
4: Yep, that that, that bouncer was in front, like one, two, three, four. Okay, there's five of you in here now. That's enough. As a matter of fact, five's too much. One of you got to leave. We joke about it all the time. We do. But here's the thing. Whenever there's an event book, all right, you can always count on, we have to have that major death to be edgy. We have to, have, we have to raise the stakes and make it show that it's relevant. And that's why I hate event books. All right, I hate these giant crossovers. I hate these giant event books. And I'm a comic book fan. Why? Because it stagnates stories all over the place. Ultimates. Ultimates is doing their great story. That is a great story they're doing They're involving the fabric of the universe. And we're going to pause it to have this major death, this is coming out Wednesday, folks, to have this major death happen in it, all right, to involve them in this storyline of Civil War when what they're doing in their own book is ten times bigger than this stupid hero versus hero fight again. Again. You've got to put down the event, Crack Marvel. Back to you, Afrenard. Yeah, you know, I
2: want to, before I uh, ask the captain his opinion on, on all this stuff, and I want to angle it a little bit different for him, I, I'm thinking that, you know, one of the frustrating things that we have, um, that we discuss when we bring up these topics, is that um, what you just talked about, Daryl, with how this is kind of a repeated thing, okay, the heroes are fighting each other again, for some kind of quasi-political reason, now this is this is channeling Minority Report. In, in this instance, uh, the last time uh, the Civil War, the, 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 the first Civil War actually came off a little bit more original because at that time, yeah, the Iraq War, um, it, it seemed to it seemed to dovetail on what was happening in the culture. Matter of fact, because of what's happening in the news, what what I what we used to love about hip hop years ago, which they, they, lo- they no longer do also, is they would just rely on what's happening in real life and kind of use that as a, as a launching pad for something to happen in fantasy or sci-fi. But they, they, I don't know what this is, this Minority Report um, deal that they're using. But I guess my, my main thing is with, what, with how they set up this roadie situation, when you see rody being pulled to the side by the president and telling him listen i want you to come in as the secretary of defense and i'm using i'm using this as a way for you to even take over my spot that is how you are supposed to work with these characters um, this goes into a different lane for rody it would it would make it interesting that someone who's a former hero to go into this position and that would probably have more stories coming out of that it seems like the fact that there's this always tug-of-war tug with utilizing minority characters that if you actually did use them more and go into their mythology, you'd actually find you'd have more, less tropey storylines. That's the even, irony.
4: But, but even that Afro-Nerd, that I would look at as a copy of what DC did with Jefferson Pierce, a.k.a. Black Lightning, where he became the Secretary of Education underneath Lex Luthor. But the way they did it is most of the heroes of the DC Universe knew at that time, uh, uh, again, this is where all of the crossovers and and universe changes uh, killed the story, all right? President Luther is a bad guy. We all know President Luther was a bad guy. He got Jefferson Pierce in as Secretary of Education, because he looked at Jefferson Pierce, oh, con, but he's black, I'll swing this part of the vote, da, da da But to other heroes that knew his double thing, they looked at him strange, like, why would you go work for Luther, of all people? You're working for Luther? But... He's able to use connections made there when Luther got out of office to be a better hero because now villains didn't look at him as, oh, he's, he's Black Lightning. He's a, he, he, he might be one of us. I think we could talk to him. And so he used it in both ways. With Rhodes joining the cabinet, that would have been an interesting take. But the problem is, and here's the problem. Now you kill them off as part of the storyline, you kill this story. It would have been interesting to see where they could, would, it, would they go like ex machina with a hero in, in political office? Would they have gone that route? But the problem is, Marvel, again, we have to feed the event. And it kills that.
2: Speaking of that, let's go to the captain. Captain, what, what are your thoughts about this? this constant usage of crossover events. I mean, obviously it's meant to bolster, bolster stories or bolster sales, actually. It, 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 this is pretty much well-known, that these events, obviously, they bring folks into the comic book stores. But at the same time, Black Panther is the number one selling comic book of 2016, which means that diversity also can bring people into the comic book store. So where, where am I – what are we missing? Um uh, when we talk about Spider-Man: Homecoming, oh. at some point further on, Spider-Man: Homecoming is is, is, is almost the superhero equivalent of Fantastic. Of, I'm sorry, of Fast and Furious. So I'm going to ask you, what's going on with this battle between diversity, killing off minority characters, and crossover events? So like, wh- wh- why is there some kind of, what's the deal?
3: Now, let's first, in order to answer this answer this question, you have to wormhole back to the previous question that Daryl, Claire, and yourself was talking about. That's the first step, and it's real simple. It's the elephant in the room, and Claire touched upon it very, 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 very well. And I'm just going to expand upon it a little bit more, and I'll get into the last part which you just asked me. You're versing renting, Versus owning a household Renting Versus owning a household And let me explain If you rent You complain to the landlord a bit You make some changes And you keep complaining you keep complaining, It eventually kicks you out You know why? Because you don't own it When you look at these properties That everyone's complaining about Minority characters We won't just go with black We go with minority characters Who are doing these characters? These are white-owned companies at the end of the day, so it's business as usual. And when you complain to the white-owned companies, even though some of these properties make a lot of money, they'll sprinkle in a little bit more of you seeing yourself to make you feel comfortable, then eventually they get back to business as usual. This is business as usual. There's nothing new here. Why was Captain America doing all that crazy stuff in the movie that all the geeks tried to explain but couldn't explain? Because it's Captain America's movie.
0: You understand?
3: (laughs) That's what it is. And when you're dealing with whether it's this individual, Rhodey, or anybody else who's a black character, these are characters, or Asian characters or Latin characters, these are characters that are done by white distribution companies. And whether you want to believe it or not, they don't feel the same way even when they make money. It's not the same thing. Somehow along the way, it has to be powered down. And when you complain, they will sprinkle in a little bit more of you to make you feel good. Ask the NAACP all about it. You know, when they were really a little something, some people say a lot of something, they complain and they, you know, they get some jobs and they back off, and then it's back to business as usual. And that's what we're dealing with here. So, again, what I always say, diversity diversity from their standpoint is done like this. Fairness is the illusion of the weak to protect you from the strong to no avail. When you have power, you do what they want. They have power you don't have, anymore, and you complain about fairness, why you're not being seen, why they're killing you off. That's just an illusion. You complain enough, they put you a little bit here and there, and they make you feel good for a while, and they get back to business as usual. Now, as far as the crossovers and everything else is concerned, that's just a way to just develop money and everything else. That also, too, is business as usual. As Daryl says, they need to get back to hardcore writing, which they can do, you know, but you see what the trend is that we have today reboot, reboot, mix it up, do this, do that, and get back to the same thing. No one's really doing any real, you know, legendary type of work or bringing something really astonishing to the table. Why do that? Let's do a little crossover Let's go mix it up Let's give a little diversity Let's take a white character Make them black Let's take a white character Make him Asian Yada, yada, yada Everyone feels good Ooh, la, 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 la That's what you see happening today and that's all what it is So again, you get back to The obvious situation You have to do what Vortex Comics is doing Their company You have to do things of that nature <laughs> That's ultimately what it comes down to That's it Can complain all day long but the end result is going to be the same. This is nothing new. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. All
2: right, folks, if you haven't guessed it, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, the uncanny Daryl, being, of course, the left-coast Claire Lane. The call-in number remains the same, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Uh, the good folks at Vortex, I think we've, <laughs> we've missed our mark again. But we will get these gentlemen on because I think it's important. First of all, I just dig it when folks from Nigeria know what's up with us. And I, I'm, all about, I'm all about you know, promoting, not just I, we. We as the Fantastic Four, your podcast Fantastic Four. We're all about really exposing all this stuff because, you know, uh, it kind of goes back to our frustrations from the last segment that, hey, if, if this is going to be a constant and it will be where these characters – they're just easily dismissed, then we're going to have to rely on Milestone Media and Vortex and so forth to get it popping. Uh, I see the calls are coming in. Callers, hold on. For those who, quite a few callers, uh, remember, if you like to call and speak, join the, in the discourse, just press 1. Press 1. That way we will know that you want to join in on the conversation. Anyway, let's go to a quick, quick Herb Alt Groove. Let me get back. We'll expand the conversation. Uh, We may talk about the childish Gambino himself, Donald Glover, being made an addition to the Spider-Man Homecoming cast. And I'm just looking at how diverse that cast is. Some folks get it. Some folks don't. Very peculiar. Anyway, this is Anderson Pack with Jack Garrett. Worry. Worry. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
0: My nights are broken up by the sounds of women I'll never meet And when my eyes are closed I can start to feel you staring at me The right side of my bed has always left me feeling stuck in between Everything I know and all the lies I tell myself so I can see Pick apart the pieces you left And don't you worry about it Don't you worry Every single day not seeing you go mm-hmm. As if this Didn't make room for the exit no. You never know what you got Until it's over sprint, and baby, baby I hate to leave the situation unresolved and messy Ooh. But later, it blew a hole in my chest And now I'm reckless I'm back. There. There. There's nothing left no. I've done away with the last of the photographs But I won't forget I can't
2: Pulling out the phaser reluctantly once again. Jack Garrett, Anderson Pack, Worry, give you the best of, absolute best of urban alternative groove, black rock and roll, psychedelic like soul, and all that, all that stuff. This is the Grindhouse, folks. We're back. The call in number, you can join in as well 646 915 9620. 646 915 9620. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about the death of James Rhodes, a.k.a. Rhodey, a.k.a. War Machine. Uh, I would hope to see that character come back. I I doubt he's going to stay dead for too long, but you never know. We're we're about 10 years in on Black Goliath. Anyway, um, let's push forward. Powering forward, um, let's actually talk about Spider-Man Homecoming, which I'm very interested in. And it's funny that, you know, that was a – a a horse that that needed to be put down initially through Sony. The first two that Sony produced with Tobey Maguire I actually liked, Um, but at some point it was getting a little bit tired. And now I I think I can see this coming back to true form because it seems to be so revitalized. And, again, it can't be happenstance that we're talking about a really diverse cast with Donald Glover, Let's go to Claire Lene, a left-coast correspondent. Um, Do you think he might get his wish? I mean, he's in his early 30s, so I think he might have aged out, unless they go in a different direction. there's, There's no reason why he can't be Miles Morales, but what are your thoughts about what he might end up being? And then we'll open up the lines.
5: Um. Wow, that's funny because, you know what? I actually hadn't thought of that simply because. Simply because of his age range. But I suppose that anything is possible. Um. I guess it's just because in my mind. Marvel has been, you know, resistant, reluctant. Maybe that's not fair. I don't know. Um, but basically they made it seem as if they were just not ready to bring Miles Morales to the big screen. Um, but anything's possible. Anything's possible. Maybe there's some sort of, uh, overlapping connection, some sort of, uh, wink to the audience, an Easter egg. Who knows? I, I, I really don't know, um, who Donald Glover's character could be or how significant his character will be in the story. I mean, as you can see over the last several weeks that the, um, the cast list has expanded pretty significantly, uh, as has Thor, Thor three. So, I um, I don't know. I suppose it is something to be, uh, I don't know, excited about. If if I have anything left in me to be excited about in terms of these movies, because I, I don't want to get too hopped up, and then you go see it, and then you know they're gonna pull a Jubilee on me. So, I I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see, but as as for right now, when we heard that uh Zendaya was going to be in there, it was already looking interesting. It was obviously already looking more colorful than we are accustomed to seeing from them on the big screen so far. So, so I don't know. I don't know.
2: Well, I will say this and then I'll pass the mic around we we'll open up the lines as well. Um, I I think that the whole the old adage of the squeaky wheel gets the grease might be what has worked in Mr. Glover's Glover, Mr. Glover's case because for a couple of years now he has famously been campaigning to be Miles Morales and actually he already is Miles Morales in animation form. So in the animated um series the 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 um the Spider-Man cartoon that's out now, I believe he does the voice, and I and I think they're they're actually going to do a big screen animated Miles Morales thing, uh, animated animation style, so he could still do that. Uh, but for, listen, he's a part of this thing because he was campaigning for that. So it will be ironic. I mean, I don't get. I mean. He was campaigning for that role. I mean, I, it, it's cool for him to be in the movie, but, like, you can't have the guy in there not having Miles Morales in a way because that's the reason why you have him in there in the first place. He is the cartoon dude. I mean,
5: maybe. Maybe. I mean, wait, what? Uh, what's his name? Wasn't Tyrese campaigning to be Green Lantern?
2: That might be, that might be a possibility still. And that might happen. <laughs> but what I'm hearing, that might happen. Because they're looking to make Maybe. that into somewhat of a buddy film. I think we, we're being told that, that is, we're not going to see a Green Lantern solo effort. It's going to be Green Lantern Corps, and that there's going to be a Hal Jordan and, and a, a John Stewart. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. And Tyrese's name, he might, you know, the name is in there, too. And it's been there. I think he was already tapped to be the Green Lantern at one point. But, uh, and that's in George Miller's iteration. That failed, failed concept. Anyway, let's let's open up the lines. Let's go to seven zero three. I think that's the DMV. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. I should know these numbers by now, but I
7: don't. <laughs> what's up? Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Spice for Life calling from the DC area, the DMV. What what's up, man? Nice to hear from you as always. Great. First, I want to wish all the fathers either listening or. Uh, who will listen to the podcast in the future, a Happy Father's Day weekend. Uh, The role of fathers can never be um, undervalued. should always be exalted. Um, I just want to jump on a few things that's been said. uh, um, First, uh, if you aren't in a room when the decisions are being made, like Captain Kirk said, you're going to be a renter. Now, if you want to be a fan, you buy Disney stock, Go to the shareholders yeah. meeting and voice your concerns. But so that's the only thing that um Big Brother Disney understands Is market share. It ain't love of character. They're beholden to the stockholders, not to fans. I hate to put it like to you, but put it like that, but that's business and that's how business moves. And one thing I've learned as a middle aged African American when it comes to characters on television and movies, I never get too attached. I never get too attached because nine times out of ten I'm going to get my feelings hurt. When you see Star Wars, you say, hey, man, look at that black guy find that tie fighter, man. He's a cool guy. And then two frames later, you know, his ship explodes. Well, hey, in Star Trek, Oh, look at that brother. He's going down with the away team, man. Yeah, I hope he becomes a regular on the show. And then he's vaporized. So this is nothing new. And um, and as of Marvel becoming event-driven, it's becoming event-driven because that's the only way they get revenue. Right now, Image is the best comic book company in my mind in regards to storytelling, innovation when it comes to comic books. Uh, Marvel is just sort of just recycling, you know, what's been recycled. And I don't see it stopping because Bean counters are pressuring um, Alonzo to increase the market share, and that's the only way he can do it. I mean, I'm just looking at it from a business point of view.
2: Yeah, I, I listen, I agree with you. I mean, I can't discount what you're saying. Um, I guess it's disheartening in the sense that, You know, we do complain and and we critique these minority characters and and we look for humanity from the business people. Uh, We look for people to be humane, and they're just not. I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, if you ever listen listen to our show all the time, Bison, and I, I kind of try to convey to folks that we do have to kind of move beyond what is practice. This is how people conduct themselves, and if, if it's not going to change, if this is a constant, if racism is a constant, what are our black, brown, and yellow, and red asses going to do instead of just emoting? And at, at some point, we, this is how it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have to kind of move. We're going to have to move. These people aren't, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're like F your pride, basically, to be blunt. They're not, they're not conceding. They can kill these people no, off, and, I mean, and they're doing it with with reckless well, they, abandon.
7: Well, the easy answer is, I hope I'm coming through clear. I'm, I'm using wireless headphones, so hopefully it's not No, we start, hear you. But, we hear you. Okay. The easy answer is to do our own characters and get our content into the digital business space. That's easier said than done. And I, I, I went to a um, – a local convention a few weeks ago, and I saw the creators of color. I mean, I saw Tuskegee Airs and several others, and they're doing a noble job. But it's like, I mean, you're going against the big two. That's like almost like creating your own car company to create go against Ford, um, Chrysler, BMW, what have you. I mean, people like their Ford's, BMW's, and Chrysler's. So if you're going to create something new, especially in today's space, it has to come out the box, perfect. The days of hey, I'm gonna be with you as you go through these growing pains. People aren't people aren't wired like that anymore. They want they want it to come out the box, perfect. So since we don't, most people don't do that. They go with the familiar, and people like the pain. So they're gonna ride with these characters, and they'll complain and fuss. We're gonna call them the Apple until the next event comes along And the cycle is just rinse And repeat every time So I don't see it changing any time so. uh,
2: the, uh, the only way That I differ with you on that Is that we are seeing a little bit of a door opening When you're starting to see these conventions Now if we could, if we could actually um, Pursue these conventions And pursue these projects to, 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 to the ultimate conclusion See right now we're having concepts but we are seeing the vortexes. We are seeing uh, the gentleman that we had a few weeks ago with the pack. Um, there are things that are going on. It is going down that way. But like you said, you know, there's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a balancing act because we do expect a, a black Marvel or a black DC, and it's not going to go down that way. It's, it's going to be somewhat of a, of a nascent project that has to be cultured, that has to be groomed. But I think that people are starting to get the message, I mean, Listen, I've got, I went, all of us, we were in attendance at this past Black Comic Book Festival in Harlem, and people were shocked to see, and, and they reported it, that we saw 5,000-plus people in a Harlem library uh, discussing comic book geek stuff. So maybe we, we will not be denied. You know, I, I have to have hope. I have to have hope, and I'm seeing a – let me bring Daryl in, in this. I think we're seeing some of this. I mean, it's just not happening as fast as, as we would like. But we have fan bros. You have um, Afro nerd Radio. You, you have the Geek Soul Brother. I mean, it, all these things are going down. If there is a push for this, for things to change. It's not exactly as if we're just standing standing around and we're just being picked off like ducks in a barrel. Cap, uh, no cap sorry. Um, Daryl. what are your thoughts about what, bison is talking about that you know we're kind of sort of complaining and there's no real infrastructure coming around but you you and I we, we'll be at Afropunk we'll be at uh, Black Comic Festival 2017 I mean you know it is going and, down
4: and Ekbox, uh,
2: shout out to Eckbach last month
4: and I, I, I uh, shout out to Mega Ran over at uh, da- uh, Denver's Comic Con right now. Heroes Con is doing their thing down there. You know, we're we're at these places, all right. We're we're out there. We, we we're out there. It's just we need more of our people with feet in the door, all right. We need we need our own Robert Kirkman right now. That's why you know, because Robert Kirkman with Skybound, he's got. The Walking Dead opened that door up. Now he's got Outcast, BAP. All right, so he's got faith there. We see what Shonda Rhimes is doing with her Thursday night. She's got her properties all in there, BAP. Now, we just need some of our enterprising guys to get their foot in that door to open that up. Okay, that's what we need. We need the chance, and we need to take advantage of the opportunity. Don't be like a football player kicking the ball, you're getting the penalty shot and kicking the ball about 10, 10 yards over the post. No, no, no. We have to score that baby the first time. Now, back to your previous question that I didn't get a chance to turn in on. Hobie Brown first, the prowler, okay? Second, he may not be Miles Morales but nothing saying he can't be Miles Morales's father. Okay, just putting it out there, folks. All right, that that, that Donald Glover could be in this as Miles Morales's father, you, 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 and then it, it, something happens and down the line, and that might be a stealth way of introducing him in. And but the, what I th- who I think he's going to be, hands down, Robbie Robertson. No one's thinking hmm. about Robbie Robertson He will be the son A young Robbie Robinson. A young Robbie Robertson The son of, uh, of Jay Jonah's right hand man uh, That's who I think That Donald Glover could be See the problem is With Hobie Brown He's an inventor He starts out like a criminal And becomes a hero later That's too close to what Jamie Foxx is, Was with Electro Okay, and he's too old on screen to be Miles Morales because you see how young Peter Parker is. So that dynamic won't work. It'd be a total age flip. So I can't have him be Miles Morales, but I can have him be Paul Morales. I can have him be the father who runs across Peter Parker, and 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 his worldview is shaped, and it would be a stealth way to walk right into Miles Morales coming into the next iteration. But that's me thinking as a bird. That's me thinking as a fan who wants Miles Morales on. So both of those first two choices where we're going to get the black hero in this, no, no. Sony doesn't think like that. Marvel could try to input, but Sony doesn't think like that. So I'm going with number three. He's going to be Robbie Robinson. Back to your affirmation. You know what? I,
2: I, I have to concur with you on that. We could all be wrong, <laughs> but Robbie as, as as preternaturally young, I mean, we have a hot Aunt May in Marissa Tomei. I mean, Iron Man is trying to rap to her. So if that's the case, uh, they, they have no shame. This is where you see some of the Hollywood ism starting to play its, its part that everyone, everyone has to be unnaturally young. Since when have we, since when have we ever seen this, this version? Even in the Ultimate Universe, she was a gray haired, uh, still attractive woman, but she wasn't like this hot MILF. So now, I mean, there's a whole. I mean, listen, I don't want to complain because I, I still dig what's happening. But I also know when, when Hollywood puts its tentacles in there, and they, 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 they do things to kind of tweak youth. Hollywood is very attracted to youth, and this is part of what's happening with Spider-Man Homecoming with Marisa Tomei as Aunt May. I mean, come on. Please. But you might be, but you're going you to have her as Aunt, Aunt May. You might well have an early 30 Robbie Robinson. Robertson, pardon me. So uh, you might be onto to something there. All right, let, let's, uh, let's move forward a game. And uh, you know, actually, I'm excited about this thing. This is well, you know what, I was going to talk about black samurai. Before we get to that, let's talk about this Aisha Curry thing. Let's just turn things around 180 degrees. It is pop culture. It's the Illuminati. Everyone's talking about it. Um, Aisha Curry puts out a tweet and then retracts it. And I only know half about this. I'm, I'm half into this basketball thing. When the Knicks are not in anything, and which is highly likely, any New York teams, even if it's not the, the, the Nets, I'm, I'm just not into it. But I know it's a big deal, and it's a whole – But we talked about the colorism that's involved in this that, that makes me very shameful uh, that they, they're trying to throw that out there. Anyway, um, Aisha throws out a t- tweet saying that the NBA is rigged and then she takes it back, but you can't, you can't take anything back on Twitter. This is the Internet. This is cyberspace. So let's, let's, go, let's go to the lines first if someone wants to get in, and, and 404. And then we'll just pass it around the mic, and then we'll go back to our comic book stuff. Still pop culture, though. Um, 404, welcome to the Grindhouse. We're talking about Aisha Curry's uh, tweet. What's up with that?
6: <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks, thanks for letting me on. This is Naj. Uh, I, I had to weigh in on this when I saw that on your docket, man. Uh, <laughs> shout out to y'all for playing Anderson Pacco, man. Uh, I like that new stuff you got. But, of uh, course, man. We
0: yeah,
6: that, that Curry stuff was fun. It, it was funny, man. She's, she's made this profile online and she's made her well, I do not say she's made herself, but people have made her into this ideal black woman that everybody wants. So she's gotten a bigger voice uh, besides being the wife of a superstar. So you got all that going on. And at that point, you can't tweet something like that uh, about the league that your husband is in. Uh, Every sports league, the only thing that they're really built on is credibility. And if you start talking about fixed games or or things are rigged or something like that, then they not only have to, you know, call you on the carpet, but they got to shut that down immediately because that's the only thing that, that makes the league valuable because that's how they get the TV deals. Live action sports is, are, I mean, besides the big budget TV stuff, that's the only thing getting paid on TV now uh, as far as getting these network deals because you don't, know the, you don't know the outcome. It's not something you can DVR and avoid the news of. So live action sports are a huge deal. And you hitting the integrity of that, just can't be accepted. Now, let me, let me get into the silliness of, of when people say this stuff. Typically, when their team loses, they start talking about the league of six. Uh, the last, last few owners who bought teams, uh, the Clippers, which a man from Microsoft, he paid over $2 billion. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks went for $500 million. So when you have groups of people with this kind of wealth and power, the idea that they're going to allow one other owner to win as if they haven't made a significant investment in this business and accept it is nonsense. Or so the idea that they would let a superstar player go to another team and the whole league agrees on it. No, these are 32 competing franchises. Everybody has their own uh, you know, bottom line in mind and also the bottom line of, of the league. But, no, there's, there's no way that the league is rigged or fixed. Uh, it's way too much at risk. Now, if you want to talk about point shaving or, or a ref that calls a couple fouls at the end of a game uh, to mess up a point spread for gambling interest, now, if you started getting into that, you could probably find some things. But as far as the league fixing something, no. People don't pay a billion dollars to come into a league and allow the league to side with somebody else on who gets to win championships and things like that. So, I Aisha Terry was reckless. Uh, dangerous and, and, and to a certain extent, it was disrespectful to not only Steph Curry because, look, man, you don't want to get in that Pete Rose room. Uh, Pete Rose and uh, yes. MLB, the reputation and, and life that he's had to live for the past 30 years is because he bet on baseball and put the integrity of baseball at stake. So, all of these conspiracy theories and all this about the NBA being rigged. I wish people would spend more time looking for uh, political conspiracies that we can actually prove as opposed to looking for this nonsense.
2: Doesn't this happen when we have, uh, dare I say, uh, the spouses being a little bit too familiar with their husband's business? Like, you know, Aisha Curry has become a personality unto herself, and you're probably going to see more. I mean, listen, she's got a cooking show because of this. She's an attractive woman. As you said, her husband is a superstar, uh, the family are very photogenic. All this stuff is coming out about them. So, now she I think she got a little too familiar. We've seen this with other spouses of other pro athletes where they get they they they, they talk recklessly. Michelle Boonchin. Yeah. Um, Giselle, pardon me, Michelle. Giselle, Giselle Boonchin has done similar stuff with her husband. Well, you need to sit down. Look pretty and sit down. Maybe, you know,
6: I, I, this i, yeah, I but, just think but, you well, you, you can interject me like you that the right but the difference is what giselle said and, and what other you know wives have said have been things that are just you know not pr friendly and you wouldn't want them to say those things what she said could actually kill the golden goose so that, that yeah. this is a whole other level when you talk about the integrity of the league like you can't talk about games being fixed as a person who's the wife of a superstar People think you might have some inside information or insight they don't have. And some people are going to run with this for years. This will be added to the lore of the Dallas Miami 2006 series and the Spurs Lakers 2002 series that I uh Curry tweet will be added to that in the conspiracy NBA guys profile. Let's,
2: let's go to the captain on this captain. What are your thoughts? And then we'll, we'll go around the horn. Uh, I know that, uh, Darryl B is an avid sports fan. I don't know if, if, uh, and they have a, a dog in this race, but you never know. <laughs> Cap, what are your thoughts about Aisha Curry's tweet?
3: Well, here's the reality. 87% of the time, refs make the right call. So there is a 13% error. That's what they say statistically. There is a 13% error. Such is life. That's all part of it when you're playing basketball. I think Nas had a great synopsis, put it together very well. Not much more to really add At this given point You know, that I I could say, you know, she was upset Her Husband was the unanimous MVP, that's a whole thing within Itself, you know, for the NBA Unanimous (laughs) MVP, that's a whole thing within itself And, you know, the call didn't fall His way But it also happens to other people Sometimes LeBron doesn't get the calls to go his way She got emotional, she got upset She's used to seeing things go a certain way for her team and her husband. And then, as I said before, with Twitter, you have to be very careful because there's no filter. It's like you're talking in your head, you know. So you have to be real careful. She puts that out there, and she realized she was an idiot, (laughs) and she tried to retract it, but you can't retract it. There's a lot of NBA conspiracy stuff. You know, the frozen envelope, as far as, you know, when they're trying to get the first-round draft pick, all type of foolishness. You know, all type of foolishness. And, you know, people just get real so when things do not go their way. You know, they, don't, they just lose the ability to think. There's nothing here fixed. You know, you know, nothing here fixed me. Really. They're playing. Things are not going your way, you know. That's it. <laughs> that's it. You know, that's all I can really say about it, you know. Back over to you, Afro.
2: Darryl. Your thoughts, sir. You're a sports oh. guy. What's up?
4: Okay, I, I, I'm going to come at this in a way nobody's expecting on this show. All right. What Aisha Curry did makes me respect Michelle Obama even more. All right. So everybody's neglecting Aisha Curry's father getting accosted by security. That's fine. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, we. You fit the profile of somebody we think was stealing. Oh. So you're going to neglect that I'm her father, and my son-in-law is playing in the game tonight, and here is my ID, and I'm standing with the family, but I fit the suspect. All right. Okay. So that, they're already pissed going into it. All right? This is where what Captain says makes 100% sense. Okay? And where... I said to every athlete on the air with WFAN uh, that everybody should look at Herm Edwards, his speech, go on YouTube right now and check out Herm Edwards and Twitter and what he told young athletes. This goes for Aisha Curry, too, okay? When you get pissed and you decide to type something out on Twitter Hold up a second before you hit the send button and read and make sure that's exactly what you want want to put out there because nothing could ever be retracted, all right? Now, this is where the call is 100% correct, all right? Once you start hitting the morals and the foundations of the very game that has made your husband famous, there's no way to pull it back. It's already out there. You could delete the tweet, but it was already retweeted 20,000 times before you deleted the tweet. So, guess what? It's out there forever now. You know, hey, again, young athletes, people that support young athletes, you may be pissed at the way a game is going. You this is where okay I'm mad. Oh my god, I'm mad. I'm going to talk to my friend. Oh, this is uh, I'm not going to put it out for millions of people to see. Especially if I'm related to someone involved. Now, I began this by saying this made me respect Michelle Obama more. Why? With all the slings and arrows that her her father has gotten, or her father, her husband has gotten with everything, everything derogatory within and without our community been thrown at them. Can you recall one bad tweet that she's made? Can you recall one thing uh, attacking someone? We all know that she, she is one of the fiercest black women on the planet, but there's nothing there where she's come off looking like a total idiot. Okay? Uh, lo- not in there looking like she's come off totally vindictive Yet, Aisha Curry You've had fame for approximately 18 months Because of your husband And because of your daughter, Riley and, 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 and how cute she is And everything she's done You've gotten fame through them You've been able to parlay it But it just goes to show The very medium that gives you the fame The internet, Twitter, Facebook can be the very medium that can be used to pull you down. Think before you tweet. Back to you, Afro nerd.
6: Uh, Claire, you have a dog in this
2: race? Did you hear about this?
5: Um, I'm just hearing it from you. And then as you guys were talking, I was looking it up. Um, do I have a dog in this race? Hell no. <laughs> do I care What some basketball wife has to say, no, I don't.
2: Well, you know what? i got to say this, though, to be fair. Because of your involvement in our show, I have to get out of my my gender thoughts, my gender space, and think more um, in an even-keeled way. This is less about her being a woman or, or a wife and more about being a spouse. Because now that I think about it, even though Darryl and I love Michelle Obama, Love her to death. But you remember during the campaign trail when she said, this is the first time in my life that I love America, or I'm par- paraphrasing, that, uh, you know, she was, I understood I understood as a black person, as a minority person, what she meant. But when she said it, they went in on her deep for the first time. I'm, yeah, she said, for the first time, I'm proud to be an American. They're like, what? And I'm saying, wait a minute. I'm a, we're black Americans. <laughs> there is a difference. We're, we don't have the same. We don't have the same uh, feeling. It, it, it's a love-hate relationship with being an American as a black person. We were brought here, and then we, yeah. we did, about, did a 300-year bid, and then we did another 80-year bid in apartheid. So you might you might want to think that we might, we might feel a little bit differently than the Caucasian person. But that never enters into the
1: conversation. But like I said, it, it was a, it was long
2: but she, had, but she had to think, she, she, she forgot that you had to come across as this middle of the road person. That's the type of you have to work when you try to pursue those kind of positions. Um, also, if I deconstruct race and gender, i got to think about um, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton has to be careful about how he moves at, with his wife running for president, because he's already done some things that have been problematic because He's too close to the situation. So maybe it's more about let your spouse, he or she, they have to breathe. They have to breathe because because uh, wait, you're so close to ahead, the situation. It, it, it seems like some of these folks are so close to the situation. I'm talking about sports, politics, whatever vocation you may be in, your spouse, he or she, may jack your situation up. <laughs> Daryl.
4: Hey, but that's where that's where I, I come in and say, you know what? If you're a public figure and you have Twitter, all right, and it's and you're high profile, millions of people are watching your facial reactions as your husband goes down here and and all of that's going on. You, uh, you're Respectful tweeting name. out something. Yeah, you're tweeting out thinking it's going to be a little innocent. Oh, oh, yeah, obviously this was rigged in our favor. And I can turn it around, and I'm rooting for the Warriors in in this series. I could easily turn it around and go, well, when you Respectful guys play in Golden name. State, some of those calls uh, are a little iffy too. So, you, So are you saying those are rigged in your favor? You know, uh, once you open up that Pandora's box, like the caller said, and he nailed it once you open up that Pandora's box, just deleting the tweet is not going to make this go away. (laughs) You've just opened up the whole league, including your husband, up to more scrutiny. And no sports league wants to be 100% scrutinized because there are parts of each of these leagues. high NFL and concussions. There are parts <laughs> of each of these leagues. high baseball and steroids. There are parts of each of these leagues. high hockey and whatever that glowing puck thing was. That go like, did you guys actually think that we wouldn't talk about this? Back to you, Afrinner. <laughs> Oklahoma All right, City, though. <laughs> 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 hey, hey! At the concert tonight, I may get assassinated. After that diatribe, I just covering the bases at each of the sports leagues that want me dead.
2: <laughs> let's go to a quick groove, gentlemen and ladies. Um, quick groove. When we get back. Let's talk about Black Samurai. Let's talk about Arrow. Let's talk about Supergirl. Let's talk about this cat. The new casting news. And that's uh, in that space. Let's just talk. Entering the proper room, which is now a permanent fixture at Afro Radio, this is a, a groove that I think our friend Houston will probably dig. This is La La La, he he he. We'll be right back. Let's groove. <laughs> now exiting the Purple Room. Once again, his royal badness has left the building. Still, I'm still having a difficult, difficult time, believe it or not, dealing with this man's passing. Um, talk about humor and sexual innuendo. Um, licking your tail like it was cream. I mean, that's some rough business. Matter of fact, uh, the great Mavis Staples from the Staples Singers, classic gospel group and R&B group, he had, to, he had to convince Mavis to say that God is coming like a dog in heat, and she said, you know what? I can roll with that. Anyway, this is the Grindhouse featuring yours truly, and of course, Captain Kirk, the Uncanny Daryl B., and our left-coast correspondent, Claire Lane. The call-in number remains the same, folks, six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. 646-915-9620, Licking your tail like it was cream. Damn, that's rough. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about this Black Samurai news. Um, first of all, my first reaction was, well, first reaction, pardon me, first reaction was, is this, a, is this cultural appropriation? Blah, blah, blah. And I had to remember, no, it's not. Uh, for a whole host of reasons. First of all, I'm glad to see that Common is yet another hip-hop artist that is breaking the mold. Uh, I liked his part on uh, AMC-TV's Hell on Wheels, which was a period drama. And now he's going into a fantasy deal, fantasy action, which I can dig it. Um, I'm curious as to which outlet he will go to with this Black Samurai thing. But black samurai, uh, well, first of all, there was a, such a thing as a black, or such a person as a black samurai. Yasuki, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, um, was a black samurai in Japan, a uh, real-life dude. So you can't call it cultural appropriation if that person was an actual historical figure. And also, the late, great, one of my personal heroes, Jim Kelly, he played black samurai in the 1970s during the exploitation period. Um, not to be confused with Afro Samurai, which was Sam Jackson's vocal vehicle. And even then, that was a manga series. Um, I'm very excited about this. I'm curious as to where he's going to go. I hope it's done very seriously. I know the RZA, as the, the lovely Claire Lane has noted. Um, he's in effect. He is definitely... Um, into martial arts and Asian cinema. So, Claire, what are your thoughts about this Black Samurai thing? The potential for it, and who could be, who else could be in it besides Mr. Um,
5: Mr. Common? Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, as we've seen in the past, that RZA is no stranger to uh, these martial arts types of movies. Um. And I like Common. I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of his work, uh, but um, I don't know if you saw that movie, uh, Smoke and Aces. It's been a minute since that. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah, Keith, yeah. Uh, but and, uh, now I, I,
2: Alicia Keys is in
5: it. Yeah, and I actually thought that both of them, in terms of, you know, being believable and holding their own in that ensemble, I thought they did well. So so I'm I'm definitely curious. I'm definitely curious about it. Um I mean <laughs> the martial arts thing is it's it's never going to go out of style. It'll always be in regardless of whoever is the sensei and whoever is the protege that needs to be, you know, reared into into uh into his into his own into mastering the skill set but um i'm i'm definitely curious and maybe vaguely maybe for half a second i had the same thought as you in terms of everybody's going to be doing some karate at some point <laughs> you know everybody fu fighting
4: dun, 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 dun. go ahead
5: <laughs> dun, dun. Yep. exactly exactly so i mean we'll see i i I'm certainly curious as to what they do with it. I didn't even realize that this was a book series. So.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, my first thing is, and this has to be, I guess, for all of us, we must research before we attack, because I said, okay, let's not get into some kind of tropey thing. But you know, this was an actual. I mean, I this is going to be in a modern modern setting. This isn't. This isn't like ancient ancient Japan, uh, Nippon, but a black samurai was a person, historical figure. So I'm I'm kind of, and even his story, you know, actually the cool thing would be if they actually delved into that story, into the actual historical account. But, I mean, you know, (laughs) maybe I'm asking for too much. Um, But I I think that because of Khabib kind of being a a classy guy, I don't think this is going I hope this isn't going to be some kind of, you know, minstrel fest all the way around with uh, black folk, Asian folk kind of, Hamming it up i mean let's 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 kind of treat this seriously, and also riza uh he kind of approaches these things in a somewhat respectful way so we'll we'll see we'll see i'm curious uh, Daryl. I think you switched phones. What are yeah. your thoughts about this black samurai and, and actually what were we weren't we to expect an afro samurai thing? I mean I even got the uh, the the, the uh, video game i mean it this is I never understood why it kind of stopped. It looked like it was going to be, even that was going to be something interesting. Well,
4: you know, when the money dries up, project goes away. You know, like like we are just now seeing that we're going to re-enter Samurai Jack. Uh, that news popped off this week that they're talking about uh, doing another Samurai Jack series or movie, and I'm like, hey, that's cool. Hopefully your funding doesn't dry up. Look, for Black Samurai, I'll just... I'll just say it to you like this. I hope you're respectful, but at the same time, Ghost Dog raised the bar real high. Oh yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you If you've never seen Ghost Dog, it, 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 there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of martial arts in that, but the the Eastern Asian tenants were all over that. That raises the bar real high. And just because Rizor is attached, yeah, just because the, the ribbon is attached dog. to it, doesn't mean that Ghost it's going to... dog. Yeah, I'm not talking about Go... straight up. Wait, wait. I'm not talking about for the martial arts action because that had no martial arts action. I'm talking about the the Eastern Asian tenets that he followed in his in his. Uh, carrying out of his occupation, if I, if I, if you could catch the drift on that, okay. Now you said Riz is attached and he treats it with some reverence. I could say yeah to a point. We all know Wu Tang Clan, all right. We all know uh, how 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 much he he follows Tao and all of that. But the problem is he also did Man with the Iron Fist too. Man with the Iron Fist one was okay. Man with the Iron Fist two, I like it like you like bad movies. And it's hard to find any redeeming thing for Man with the Iron Fist two. Alright? So Riza isn't totally untouchable here. We just hope that he does something close to his previous efforts and not his latest effort. Back to you, Afro Well, you
6: know, the
4: thing about, about Rizza that's interesting.
2: Is that um, he he is mentoring under Quentin Tarantino? I mean, that's his boy. So I, I'm a little uh, perturbed because I was thinking about um, the Man with the Iron Fists. That that might have been kind of a a closing mark. I mean, he's done some other things that have been somewhat somewhat highbrow, independent that were um, you know kind of interesting. But this, that was you're right. That might have been a low point. Um, Jim Jarmish is the gentleman that was behind Ghost Dog, and hell, we used, we used the Ghost Dog intro, uh, hold on, Ghost I'll play Dog. some of it.
0: What? Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog? He said Ghost
4: Dog. Yeah, he calls himself Ghost Dog. I don't know, a lot of these black guys today, these gangster type guys, they all got names like that they make up for themselves. Is that true? Sure. He means like the rappers.
0: You know, the rappers, they all got names like that. Snoop Doggy Dog, Ice Cube, Q-Tip, Method Man. My favorite was always Flavor Flav from Public Enemy. He got the funky, fresh fly flavor. Live lyrics from the bank of reality. I kicked the fly... (laughs) Bank (laughs) of (laughs) reality.
2: Oh, man, Ghost Dog was next level, man. Uh, The great Forrest Whitaker was in there as well, man, so... Uh, 1999, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And he, he actually played an urban samurai. It was it – was, Jim Jarmusch doesn't get the credit. I mean, he's kind of in that same fold as Quentin Tarantino where they inhale all this pop culture and they're able to connect the dots and give you something different. It's, it's, it's interesting what they do. Uh, these guys are the real film buffs. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll see how Black Samurai turns out. I'm, I'm intrigued about it. I will confess. Moving along, uh, let's get into this deal with the CW verse, uh, Berlanti verse, as uh, Claire reminds me. So now we have Supergirl in the fold, and now we have uh, Tyler. I can't. I forget this guy's last name from Teen Wolf. Hochler is that his name? Hochler. How's Cochler, it pronounced? Hecklin. Yeah. Hecklin. Hecklin. Pardon me. Hecklin. Um, now, to be a blurred, <laughs> in a blurtic sense, um, his. Comic book connections go back as a kid because of his deal with um, with Tom Hanks and and the late Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. Road to Road to Perdition, which was we saw him as a child, uh, Tom Hanks' kid. Some shows you how much time flies. Um, Road to Perdition was a graphic novel, so he hasn't been able to leave that. <laughs> So uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit disappointed, actually, that we didn't see Tom Welling. Although I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of Smallville past season three. One, two, three, I actually was in. I was in hard-body karate. But after that, not really. Um, what are your thoughts about his addition? And then also uh, Mr. Gonzalez for Arrow. He's a pretty decent actor. He makes the rounds. Um, what do you think is going on here with what? Uh, first of all, I, I never saw the last couple of episodes of Arrow, and they were they were really critiqued heavily, panned, I should say. So they need to do some stuff to kind of re-engineer, reverse-engineer Arrow, I think. So what are your thoughts? Let's go to Claire on this.
5: Well, for um, I mean, I don't know if I'm disappointed. It would have been it would have been pretty cool. Just because uh, Smallville, for all its faults, uh, it did last ten seasons on the CW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, it was. It was. It predated CW. It was on when it was still WB. So, you know, it was on for a minute. It had a pretty strong uh, following. Um, it's pretty much Tom Wellings' only real legit acting credit in my opinion. I mean he grew into the role. Um, I think there's a fondness for keeping everything within the family, within that network family, within the comic book family. So it would it would have been cool, you know, just like we all got a kick out of seeing Dean Kane, you know, showing up on the show. You know, that was pretty awesome. And and everyone has admitted that while wow, Brandon Ralph might not have been, you know, not might not have been able to maintain that new iteration of Superman back in, you know, 2009 or 2006 or whatever it was when Brian Singer was trying to revamp the franchise. I mean, we all think he's perfect as the Adam, you know, in in Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. So it's cool when you keep it in the family. It's it's definitely a wink and it's definitely fan service because we're all very familiar with these faces and with these people. Um, I don't watch Teen Wolf, so I'm not very familiar with this guy. I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, this is news to me that you're telling me that he was in Road to Perdition. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. hey, that's something. And I mean, yeah, you're right. Time really does fly. Um, hell, I need to catch up on Supergirl, period, because I have fallen behind. In terms of um arrow, my my viewership of this show is very spotty at best. Um from what I saw this past season and I've said it before, the only reason why I bothered to watch is because I enjoyed what I saw in these you know, the crossover with Flash. This this show it's a little bit all over the place and people are telling me, including you people are telling me that it started off well in the first couple of seasons but kind of went off the rails a bit. Um, A, please stop using the flashbacks. That is annoying as hell because, frankly, it completely detracts from the main story now that it's become more than obvious that it doesn't reflect or mirror what's happening in his life right now. And I really hope and pray that they don't commit to this whole uh, five-year endeavor because that's the—that is the story, isn't it? That he got stuck on that Chinese island, whatever, for five years. No, y'all need to stop. Stop using the flashbacks because those are those are getting <laughs> exhausting and very tiresome. Um, in terms of adding Rick Gonzalez, I mean, hey. Seems to have a pretty good, you know, list of credentials so far, Um, and you know it's always nice. It's always nice to see the fact that Berlanti, amongst all his shows, and you can see it. You got a black Jimmy Olsen, you got a black Joe and Iris West. You know he he does this with all of his shows. He tries to infuse some sort of color, you know, try to infuse some LGBT characters. He's you know, he's, he's good about that, so I can appreciate that. And we'll see how it goes with Gonzalez and this other guy, Josh Segarra, as Vigilante. You know, he's part, uh, I think, either Cuban or Puerto Rican, you know, partially as well. So so I don't know. I don't know. They need to do something, though, because that show, I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can tell me I'm wrong. But to me, it's gotten pretty boring. And if you ever get a chance to watch the season finale – you'll see why it was such a disappointment. I mean, especially with Damien Dark, you know, trying to have the, the the series climax to this epic, you know, finale, this epic battle between him and, and Oliver. Utter disappointment. <laughs> Very lazy. Um, I don't know. I was like, let me turn this off and just re-watch Daredevil because this is – this is not the business. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like I said, lots of casting between all the shows in terms of uh, Arrow and, and Legends of Tomorrow. They kind of did a shuffle as well. I mentioned earlier that, you know, Hawk Girl C.R. Renee, she's not going to be a series regular. Wentworth Miller, he's not going to be a series regular, but he will kind of pop up on The Flash here and there. So, so I don't know. It will be interesting to see where they take this.
0: Well, I will
2: say that I'm a big fan of Neil McDonough. Uh Dum Dum Dugan also. He's, he's he's doing double duty with Marvel Properties and DC Properties. Uh heck, he was even in Public Morals, which was a short-lived series with Michael Rappaport about 1960s New York policing. Uh which I thought was an excellent tour de force as far as uh the acting, the actors that were that were in there. Um and he, oh, he's, he's a, just, a great actor he really, and
5: he, he has spanned this whole genre for for years. I mean, even if it's some cheesy stuff like that uh that Chun Lee movie with what's her face. Oh Chris yeah, he Kruk. was the
2: villain in that too.
5: Yeah, he so he was in that and then just the other day I was watching I told you, Star Trek First Contact mm-hmm. like the best of the T N G film iterations with the Borg. And he, you know, I, it was—I totally forgot that Neil McDonough was—he uh, was the pilot, and then he got assimilated. And same, same, piercing blue eyes. I mean, the guy's a great actor. He's just—he's just immersed in the sci-fi comic book, you know, culture.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I have to confess. That, I mean, he was really menacing in public morals. Um, I, I just think that that series didn't necessarily work out because. On some level, sometimes there's just too much product. But I don't understand how that didn't... I mean, he had, it was Ed, Ed Burns' production. He was the creator of it. As I said, uh, I'm a big supporter of Michael Rappaport, uh, New York's own Michael Rappaport. Also check out uh, I Am Rappaport, the podcast, for those listening to our podcast. But, um, yeah, Neil McDonough, I mean, you know, y- you have that talent involved with Arrow. I will say that the, his time on that island is very much a part of the lore of Green Arrow. I mean, that's Green Arrow's origin, is he gets, he gets um, marooned on that island. This is, goes back to the 1940 iteration of the character, and he's able to get these life-saving skill, this life-saving skill set, and he goes on to become this vigilante. Um, going back and forth with it in the first couple of seasons, and, and Daryl can also interject as well, uh... It, it, it made sense. Like, the fact that you, they even used that as a way to bring in Constantine was interesting. So they've used it correctly on some points, for some points, and incorrectly in other issues. I just think they don't know what to do. And also, Flash is, Flash is, is, is firing at all cylinders, and Flash is the, is the spinoff from Green Arrow. So it, it's problematic that the spinoff is actually more interesting than Green Arrow. So they're they're going to have to figure this out. I mean, God forbid, if Hawkeye were to get this Netflix series. I mean, that's been put out there. We, we I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But if they ended up doing something like that, a uh, some kind of Black Black Widow uh, slash Hawkeye Netflix series, it's over for Arrow. It's over. <laughs> so, I
5: mean, for real. Uh, game do over. Really Done. Done. But you know, that's the thing. The Flash. I mean, you know, forgive the pun. But it is speeding through all of these incredible, you know, story opportunities because it can play with the science fiction and the time travel, and and the multi multiverse and Earth Two, the portal, Zoom, uh, Reverse Flash, Thawne, all of it. It can play. It, frankly within 2 years 2 seasons it has burned through so much story i'm actually pretty impressed considering the fact that normally any show that's not hbo showtime netflix or whatnot cuz those guys they've got what 12 episodes so they don't mess around you know it's 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 going to be a lot that you're 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 given in terms of plot whereas net Work ABC, NBC, Fox, whatnot. When you've got 20 plus episodes, there's going to be a lot of stretching it out, extending the story to where it's almost paper thin, and you got a lot of you got a lot of fluff. You got some good episodes here and there, and then in between, you're going to have a lot of fluff that's just there for padding, just to just to keep you, you know, keep your eyes glued for the next installment. That's the problem that I have with Arrow. Compared to Flash, which has had so many really cool, trippy episodes uh, where you're like, oh, they didn't do that, did they? Did they just kill him? Oh, wait, no, but he's going to go back in time, and then it's going to rewrite this, and oh, okay. No, you don't get none of that that thrill with Arrow, and I'm not going to go into the whole – the tone – One's lighter, one's darker, one's more playful, one's more gritty. I'm not even going to get into all that because that's already a tired argument. Arrow, it just it just drags on for an eternity, and that is why I'm I loathe, I loathe the flashbacks. I believe you. I believe that two years ago, they were probably very effective. They were probably very useful in terms of you know. Structuring out how we can get to know this man who, and how he became who he is, how he learned how to fight, you know, how he changed his his, uh, his his thought process, his mindset, his beliefs in terms of doing what's right for people and and trying to help people as opposed to being some rich playboy. That's great. If if a flashback can allow you to 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 see that, to see into someone's soul like that, that's great. But frankly, from what I've seen this last season, it's just a distraction. It's just annoying. It doesn't further inform the character in any way. And I mean, I'm hoping that they turn things around, but I don't know. At at, at this point, out of the four shows, and think about it, they will have a crossover. They will all crossover. But think about it. Four shows. Supergirl, Monday, Flash, Tuesday, mm. Arrow, Wednesday, Legends of Tomorrow, Thursday. Four nights back-to-back. This Berlanti universe subset of, you know, DC, Warner Brothers, It's it's got this on lock. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about it. But for right now, the only one that I'm really interested in is the Flash.
2: Let's go to the captain on this. Um, I think that our friend... The uncanny had to had to uh, exit exit. Pardon me, exit state of rights. Um, Cap, what are your thoughts about this Berlanti slash CW verse with the the new additions and and uh, the new casting and some of the concerns that Claire has brought up with Arrow? Well, here, here's here's the reality of it.
3: In the first season, talking about Arrow right now, talking about Arrow. What the flashbacks allow you to do, it allows you to touch the ground running where you do not have to explain anything. You just give the audience a lot of action, and then as you go along, you start to give the people flashbacks, and they go, oh, okay, okay, first two episodes, you just touch the ground running. You know, I don't have to explain anything. I don't have to do any character development, the things that you're supposed to do, where because it's episodic TV, you know, You may lose the audience you give them a bunch of action right from the beginning They go, oh wow wow you got them now Then you do flashbacks to start to explain things So it works good in the first season Also works to a certain extent in the second season when you get to the third season It means that you cannot write. I think Claire was being a little too nice. It means you cannot write (laughs) You understand you write as you suck That's what that's what it is. You can't write because you're being lazy You're trying to fill it in It works the first two When you get to the third It doesn't work anymore It shows that the writers are lacking They're doing it too much You have to figure out another way To explain the island and everything else At that given point That's what's going on with it That's why you see the drop off with it The whole situation You know They ran out of gas in respect So they got to figure out They got to go back to the drawing board To tighten it up Ultimately comes to the writing And then how good the actors can play Out what you're writing And everybody likes to get away from it. They try to run gimmicks. Oh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Hence the drop-off. I know the first season was hot. People was getting shot. People was getting killed. They weren't really explaining. You catch a flashback here and there. But it was hot. It was good to go. It was good to go. You only can do that but for so long, though. You got to get back to hardcore writing and give people something. Give them something, man, of substance. Ultimately with that. Flash goes without saying. We don't have to really talk about that. You know, you don't really have to go. Legends Tomorrow is all right. It has its flashes, has its points. You know, I think this universe is going to work because just as Claire says, you have all these nights locked down, you know. And if you do crossovers, even if you're not really feeling, let's say, Arrow or something else, you have to follow a bit in order to know what's going on to a certain extent with the show that you do like. So I think that's very paramount. That's, that's very important. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Back to you, afterwards.
2: Uh We see that the uncanny has returned, Dale. Any thoughts on some of the concerns that Claire brought up with uh, Arrow, or just your general viewpoint of the berlanti verse with Supergirl, and, and now we have Tyler from Teen Wolf into the fold. Like, what will he bring as this, this Superman? Like, just what do we what are, what are we to expect with this this addition? And what's going on with the Berlanti verse in general?
4: All I hope is that other elements leave Berlanti alone when he's telling his romantic story, because it needs to fit. Every time the film the films interject, it ruins the television project. So just leave it alone, okay? In okay. terms of arrows for this season, with Gonzalez coming in with the Chase hire, it's going to be a, a, a city of vigilantes. That's how I see it. It's going to be like, like the, the, uh, the Garfinx Punisher run, where Punisher runs into all of those knockoffs of them. That's what this, <clears throat> this season of Arrow, with the, some of the hirings I hear, that's what this is going to, to look, look into. My major problem with Arrow is that he's not a good hero. Simply put, he is not a good hero in the eyes of this comic book fan. Why? Listen. If you're a hero and it's only five years ago that you've run into all of these things that have happened to your city and you've run into them before, then guess what? I remember five years ago running into you, running into this, running into that, and how to stop it. It's only been five years. Five years. Think about each of the things he's had to deal with in the city. Each thing is connected to the island in some way. Five years, all those deaths. I'm sorry, Ali Queen, you have failed this city. Writers, you have failed this show. Why? Because any hero, after having a a traumatic effect only five years ago, would remember, oh, this looks like that. This is how I stopped that over there. Let me try that here. It was in the first three episodes of realizing what's going on. I'm just saying. I'm saying it now. I've said it back then. I'll say it again. When you're going to use the flashback, that means you learned something. All right? The flashback is for the fans, but in the middle of the season, I'm like, okay, you see what happened here? You see what happened here? That happened to me on the island before. This is how we did it. All right, guys, this is what happened on the island. This is what happened. You break the damn freaking tiki, whatever you call him, that head. You break it. Why are you keeping it around? it. Destroy it. Spread the parts to the four corners of the earth. Don't keep it around so the bad guy eventually gets his powers back. What the f- kind of
5: hero are you? Anyway. And it what? made that whole... That whole thing with Vixen, I got all excited. I got all excited watching Megalyn do her thing as Vixen, and she's getting her all animalistic spiritual powers together. She's, she's got the heart-to-heart with Oliver about being a father and whether or not he should be in his son's life or, or distance himself for his safety. She's, she's, she destroys, oh, so we thought, she destroys the magic totem so that Damien Dark doesn't have his his powers, his magic. What the hell, okay? What the hell, what's the point of having that episode if, A, if A later in the season, Damien Dark gets the totem back, gets his magic back and kills Black Canary, and, B, what was the point of all that in, in, in introducing her? if we're not even going to have Megalyn as Vixen in Legends of Tomorrow. No, wait, no, no. what are y'all doing? Hold it, hold it. You brought her in to
4: get the totem the first time, okay? You brought her in to get the totem the first time, and she breaks it fine. I would give her a few pieces of it uh, as she goes away. I would give it to her for safekeeping. I would call up Constantine. Here, got it back. Throw it Somewhere in some alternate dimension So we never have to see it again I do that again Oliver Queen And all of his cronies You are simply not good heroes Why? Because if you use Common sense you don't have A show right now Back to you Nerd. I'm out the side door Enjoy the rest of the night
2: folks Thank you brother, appreciate it as always uh, The great Daryl B, the uncanny Um you know, a couple of things. i got to say my piece on this Arrow thing. Um, I was a big supporter of, of Arrow. Because Arrow came in right before we knew there was going to be a, an av- avalanche full of other DC heroes. But really, Arrow suffers from being on the Balantiverse. being involved in the, C- the, C- the, C- the CW. And Claire, you know this. The CW is very representative of a certain mindset to begin with. They're only going to be so gritty. We have to be thankful that the Flash is as good as a, of a series as it is, considering that it's on the in the Berlanti verse. Actually, I'm curious as to how good, it, how potentially better, if it's even possible. Because I really love the Flash, but if it were on some other network, uh, what could it possibly be? Like let's say if it was on Netflix or or some other in some other medium, could it actually be better? Because all the other things that are on the CW have to kind of fit a certain paradigm you know the, the folks have to look a certain way you know it's it's very you know uh it, it plays very much like a soap opera the, the thing that really that really did it in for me was with the felicity character who i actually like i kind of like the the the, the nerdiness of her uh for obvious reasons but when
5: I don't he, know she's working my nerves it,
2: well listen what happened what <laughs> When she ended up losing her ability to walk, and then gains it, and then literally walks out of his life, says, "Okay, I'm done." That was so much of a telegraph move. So, <laughs> I mean, that just—I said, "Okay, I'm done." <laughs> I, I was—I am was, okay. I can't handle that. Something about that scene, and also the the fact that she wasn't reasonable. Like, I, I just felt like she was just okay, okay. She kept this secret from you with this this kid because the mother. Of the kids said not to tell anybody. It just felt like this. Is, this is not plausible. This whole scene. Come on, there's some things you don't play with, and also the fact that it it is part of the CW, and the fight scenes, the fight choreography sucks, in comparison to the fighting you see in Daredevil. The fighting in Daredevil next level. Like I'm, I'm engrossed. Like how they, whatever they're doing, it comes off brutal. And when I it's see it, brutal the fight and scene, yet it's like it,
5: it's artistry, it's like a dance, yeah. it's like gymnastics, it's it's just incredible. Whereas you don't even have to let go me that tell far. you, you will be sorely Look at the you think it's bad now, <laughs> sorely disappointed when you watch the fight, the final fight. I'm not I'm not giving away anything, trust me. When you watch the final hand to hand combat between Oliver and Damien You will start laughing. It is comical how bad it is. And this is supposed to be somebody that was part of the League of Assassins, and this was a guy that's been training for years on some deserted island and, and is now a total badass? Are you kidding me? I'm telling you, you will start cracking up. It is comical. It's like a spoof within itself of the genre. It's almost as well, bad oh, here's here's a good one. Almost as bad as cheesy in terms of cheesy. The fight between Captain Kirk and the the, the what is it, a Gorn? <laughs>
0: the Gorn, yeah. You fucking <laughs> out What <laughs> is <was> that <laughs>
3: I'm
5: telling you. I'm telling you, watch it and you will see.
3: The Gorn fight was bad. That was bad. <laughs> yes, it was
5: bad. It was
3: ridiculous. Uh, Especially, for, you, know, uh, you know. Captain. You. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's a diss. That's a diss, boy. Well, if you think about Shield's fight scenes are actually better. And Shield's fight scenes are not all that. But their fight scenes are actually better.
2: Agreed. You know? yeah, their fight scenes are a little bit
3: above. Agreed.
5: Ming-Na ah, I mean, Wen, yeah. she kills
2: it. Yeah. I think that I think that has something it's to do with well. the networks there. Yeah, you know, that's, that's Netflix versus ABC versus CW.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
2: what that's about. Because, like you said, I, I'm really in the I'm like the battles between the Punisher. I mean, just that, damn Punisher's fighting alone. Punisher fighting half the prison. That just came off like okay, I can believe this it's not once it's not once in any of that stuff where I felt like, okay, this is unbelievable. I was like, okay, I'm I'm in this. But when I see when I see uh, Arrow, it takes me back to third grade recess. <laughs> it just it just does. I don't know. I I want I will listen. They, like you said, they got us, Claire. They got us. Um, but I have to admit I'm I'm about maybe three or four episodes behind and it's something to do with felicity getting up off of that, that that uh that chair. That wheelchair, I was like, Oh, okay. Um something about that just irked me. You know? Uh
5: yeah, she it should. Something... She was I, handicapped. I consider... She her spinal cord was severed with a bullet. I mean that whole thing with the, the engagement and oh yada yada like in the limo it was this big shootout and then really not even what four episodes later she's up and walking oh it's a miracle it's a miracle
0: <laughs> i'm oh,
5: goodness listen i think that she's cute that's nice that she's got the glasses and the nerdy thing and and her her mannerisms though the writing for felicity is starting to irk me because it's like it's like Joss Whedon writing on steroids. Does that make sense?
6: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: Like, she's okay, trying wh- wh- too hard to be nerdy, trying too hard to make it funny amidst, okay, but, you know, all the grit and the I, darkness. It's just, it rubs me the wrong way, especially with the whole thing I, with her mother.
6: No, her, her mother. I can't, mother.
5: Take, her. I can't oh. take her mother.
3: I can't take her mother. You oh. need to die.
0: Oh.
3: <laughs> I can't take the mother. I agree with that. That's the worst. Okay.
2: Wh- 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 what would what would Claire Lene bring to that role? I g- <laughs> you you could you could do it. I could. You could do it. You you like that check though. <laughs> yes, I All would. that
6: criticism would go out the window.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying.
5: Absolutely, and I have no problem admitting that. But as of right now, the whole show is a mess. It's just a damn mess. And, I mean, I'm just, I don't know. Frankly, I saw bits and pieces here and there early on in in the run, you know, with when his mother was still alive and uh, what's his name, John Barrowman. I just saw him in an old episode of Doctor Who. Oh, what's his name? He plays Malcolm Merlin. You know, in the early, oh, yeah, early yeah, yeah, stages yeah, yeah. of the series, I saw bits and pieces. Ooh, what was the name? China White, played by Kelly Hu. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I yeah. saw her doing yeah, yeah, her yeah. thing,
5: coming in there, being a badass. I was like, oh, okay, well, hell, maybe this is something I should take a look at. I don't know. So every time I try to go back and visit, there's some sort of fantastical thing with Raz Al Ghul, and then all of a sudden you got John and then. His brother and John being an well, idiot, thinking that well, his brother was, you know, on their side, and just all this drama with <laughs> Thea and Thea and and Sarah in the Lazarus pit, and how they came back to life, but now they got the bloodlust, and I'm like, what the hell is this show?
2: <laughs> but, but I, I that's gotta say this—that's uh, part of it. <laughs> yeah it's of, well, not just that, but we got another thing also all these character deaths that we've seen in arrow because you know rightfully so everything that happens at flash is, is connected to this thing flash going back in time saving his both his parents they say they say they say that if you they being scientists theoretical physicists that if you go back were to go back in time into the stone age and step on a fly that would be reprehensible to the timeline. So i got to believe that if Flash saved his, both his parents it, in the way that he did, that some of the stuff that happens in Flash should have effects in Arrow. And some of the people that are actually dead in Arrow might be alive because of what Flash did. Flash doing that could, could cause uh, reverberations with other characters. That's how I, I would think some of this should play out. Some of these people that are dead should be alive. And, and, or, or vice speaking, versa.
5: Exactly. Logically, logically, you are correct. This if they all share one universe, then yes, this should all somehow affect the other stories. But but they only use the the sci fi plot devices at their convenience when it suits them. So that means that while Barry has gone back and saved his mother and his father and has basically rewritten everything, we don't know if this whole flashpoint type of tease is going to play out for the entirety of season three, or if he's going to have to unravel it and undo what he did because this universe is actually worse than the one that he left behind. So it's, according to the producers of the show, it will not affect the stories of the other shows. But because of the time travel, multiverse, you know, all this stuff, the, the, all those elements of playing with Earth 2, Earth 3 indefinitely, whatnot, because of that, that is how they'll bring Supergirl into the fold. Because in the previous crossover, they made it seem as though they're completely unrelated and in different universes and different realities and and whatnot. And I know they did that as a plot device to explain why we can have another Flash in the movie, you know, with Ezra Miller, but ultimately, like I said, it's just at their convenience. So no time travel will not affect Supergirl, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow, but yes, the multiverse stuff will affect how Supergirl herself ends up sharing this, this universe with everybody else now that she's on the CW. So it's just on a whim. It's just how whatever's convenient for them in terms of making it work. But I hear what you're saying. Logically, if you go back in time, you're going to affect everybody else.
2: Folks, if you haven't guessed it, again, this is the Grindhouse Edition. We've got about f- less than 15 minutes remaining for the show. Uh, Definitely love doing the podcast. A whole bunch of stuff that we still have to talk about before uh, the close of the show. I want to take another break, folks. When we get back, actually I want to delve into something I think Claire might actually dig as well. The Star Trek lawsuit. And I think it's important because it could affect how these fan films go down. Now, we know that YouTube is rife with fan films. I mean, if we're not getting what we want in mainstream cinema, these super fans will, will do it, even though it might be some low grade, low budget version of it. Some of these fan films are actually quite good. Some of them will surprise you. So we have this fan film for Star Trek that somehow raised the ire of CBS and Paramount Studios from the Xanar, Axanar, pardon me, I guess I'm pronouncing it correct, Axanar. Studio uh, the fan film production company, that they were sued under the under copyright infringement, and uh, we were led to believe i think j j Abrams gave the impression that this lawsuit w- was being settled, and now we're hearing that it's still kind of going on and i'm thinking that well what does this mean for fan films in general that out of the hundreds of fan films that are out there uh what makes Star Trek, the folks at Star Trek want to sue these folks versus any of the other stuff that goes on that's a a fan film product. So anyway, uh, let's go to a quick groove, give you about two minutes of Urban Alternative Groove, Black Rock and Roll, Psychedelic Soul, all that stuff. Uh, This is, I played this a bit, I kind of dig this. This is Thundercats, Them Changes. Two minutes, we'll be right back. Much. I figured I'd let that groove just right on out once again. New groove, Them Changes by Thundercat. This is the Grindhouse. We've got about nine minutes remaining. I figured we'd touch on this topic. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this production company correctly. Uh, Axonar, I think. Axonar. It's actually the Star Trek fan flick um, that's caused a bit of a concern for Paramount um, Studios, Paramount and CBS. And I'm I'm hearing that. Well, first of all, we got Star Trek Beyond coming out with Justin Lin as the director. He's helming it. So you have Justin Lin and J.J. J. Abrams both lobbying the studio to drop this lawsuit because I think they suspect that these fan films actually do a lot in contributing and maintaining the interest for uh, for fans. I mean, you know, in, in between these films, which take a couple of years to be made, you know, the the, the fan films, you know, they they, they do a service. So um, it's we we've been seeing him for years now, so I, I don't know what is it about this particular film. Claire, do you know anything about this Axonar, if I'm announcing correctly, Axonar fan flick that's caused this hullabaloo. Claire? Can you hear
7: me? Oh, Claire. Yeah, we hear you. Claire. Yeah, I hear you.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, sorry about that. Um I don't know a lot about the case. I I just know that initially it was fine, and then it was a problem. And then, as you said, Justin Lin, J. J. Abrams, they were they were trying to convince CBS and Paramount to let this go. But it's still an ongoing issue. I and I I get it. I get why Abrams and Lin are telling them, please drop this case, drop the lawsuit, because not only is it like you said, is it always a wonderful thing to have fans be so devoted to your, your project and your, your franchise and your properties. But if you're suing somebody, then basically you are, you're turning yourself into the bad guy. I mean, you're, you're literally making it seem like you, it's, it's a David and Goliath situation. And that's never a good look when it comes to someone that ultimately his crime is that he loves the 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 story so much that he was willing to, you know, finance and put together his own, you know, his own take on it, his own his own spin off. I've heard the same thing happen with lots of other projects. There was um there was a guy, I, I'm sorry, I don't have his name, I gotta look it up. But he was trying to do something with uh with some sort of X Men, you know, X-Men reboot of the animated series. So when you see a clip of it, it's really impressive. I mean, these people, regardless of whether or not they're, you know, vying for a job at, you know, Pixar or Disney or any of these other VFX or animation studios, people have got skills. And so when you take a look at it, it's actually pretty impressive, and it really does harken back to that 90s animated series. But they shut them down. They shut them down because that's the curse. If the product looks too good, then it is automatically deemed a threat. Like, no, 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 we don't want you making money off of our stuff. And so all it, it, it's, it's an ongoing issue, but ultimately I, I totally understand why Lynn and Abrams are trying to, trying to end this because it makes CBS and Paramount the bad guy.
2: Well, you know something else? Uh, as expected, I'm looking at Engadget, um, and it says here. I'm going to br- re- briefly read this paragraph because it, it it gives you insight of what's also going on here. It says those lawsuits and countersuits might simply turn out to be legal maneuvering, but Paramount and CBS have been, been uh, have been open about squeezing fans for money in the past. In an extensive long read about Star Trek's complicated relationship with its fan base, Buzzfeed reporter Adam V. Adam B. Vary notes that CBS head Les Moonves was upfront about why he was putting the forthcoming TV series on the network's own $5.99 per month streaming service. We know, this is quoting Moonves, we know there are so many millions of Star Trek fans that would pay for this, Moonves told a media conference in February. So that's what's really going on, is that, that like you said, we can't have free product made by fans be so good that it's engaging, that could be a... A competitor to this pay s, I'm editing myself. This pay s that we could we could get from these uh, suckers. I mean fans. So, I mean, Moonbez said it himself. We could get almost six bucks a month from from the diehards. I find that interesting. Kirk, we got less than four minutes. Isn't that what it's always about? <laughs> Moonbez said, "What is really going on?"
3: All right, well, I definitely agree. When you crowdsource, you know, uh, your idea that's based on someone else's idea and you can raise over a million dollars, you become a threat. And just as Claire says, when the product looks too good, they come to get you. Actually, what they're doing is they're playing both sides of the fence. You know, it's like a seesaw. Yeah, yeah let these guys do something. Okay, that's good, that's good, that promotes us. But, whoa. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> so hold on now. We got we got a problem here. Look at this.
5: All right, this is just
3: <laughs> a step below what we're putting out with a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Uh, uh, shut them down! Shut them down! Shut them down! We don't have our actors, but I don't, I don't like how the effects look. A little, a little too clean. A little too clean. Shut them down! Shut them down! That's right. That's the game that they're playing. That's the game that they're playing. That's a threat. That's just business. Nothing personal. It's business. It's nothing personal. That's
2: what it is. That's what it is. Well, you, Back know, you, Cap, Well, you know, Cap, Cap there's a, uh, a book that I've referenced quite a few times as we close out called The Singularity. Um, yes, why can't I think of the, the, author, the author's name? Um, I can't think of the author's name, but I use that term, the singularity, as the point where things start to merge. And I've mentioned that with a lot of things. The singularity meaning, and the audience is heard me use that term quite a bit what what it means is that when the at-home garage style technology meets up with the mainstream technology that's when you have a problem when when uh when when ai meets human intelligence and surpasses it which is which is really what the singularity really means um that's when you have a problem and which is going to happen one day so i think this is this is the point of singularity that because I've seen some stuff online that's very impressive. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. These dudes, in the, these dudes in their basement are coming up with some stuff, and this is going to tip the apple cart. So, unfortunately, everyone loses except Moonves' people who want 6 bucks a month from us. Anyway, folks, it's been a pleasure as always. Enjoy your hot weather. <laughs> the, <laughs> the apple is baking literally in New York. Uh, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, well, I know it's worse out there in the left coast, Claire. Uh, be safe. I'm hearing a, about the brush fires going on. Uh, I, you're, are you? You're near there, aren't you? You're in that that area, well, right? Thankfully,
5: I'm I'm more within the city, like the LA basin, so I'm not too close to to the cliff sides, the mountains, the fires, and this and that. But it's always something. It's always something. We have LA. It has had a severe drought for about, like, four or five years straight. Um, that's why these fires are so rampant once once the air is uh, very dry. And then we have all these, uh, they call them the Santa Ana winds. You know, next thing you know, just takes one little spark and then whoosh, you know. But there's always something going on in L.A., some sort of crazy, bizarro type of, you know, natural or unnatural <laughs> you know, situation going down. Exactly.
2: Well be safe. uh, to you and to our audience as always. We'll be back again next week with more stuff. Folks, let's go on out more groove. Jamie Woon sharpness. Claire, be safe. Cap, see ya. We'll do it again next week. It's been real.